when was the last time you played? I played today. Um, I've been redoing a Lego series play training and like as a participant, so I get to play with Legos today. Oh, fantastic. Welcome to Lead with a Dash of Play. Here we talk about the how and why of reclaiming playfulness as adults in order to build more connected, innovative, and human-centered workspaces. Isn't that what leadership is all about? I'm your host, Mary Hendra. Let's play. My guest today is Van Leidumon. Van invites clients to think with their hands, using creative tools to disrupt traditional training methods. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited to be here with you, Mary. So I need to ask, have you played with Legos all your life? Or is this a recent thing? No, so I did not grow up playing with Legos. I discovered this facilitation methodology called Lego Series Play Methodologies at a conference called SIPSI, Creative Problem Solving Institute, about, I think it was in 2018. Okay. I was just so taken by it. And there's an organization called Strategic Play where I got trained as a certified Lego Series Play facilitator for teams and groups. Congratulations. Back in Thank you. And I say that oftentimes when I go to my workshop, I'm like, you know, just so you know, I'm a certified Lego Series Play facilitator. And people laugh like, it's a real thing. Um, <laughs> and so I've been trained in that methodology for since 2018. And I just recently became a licensed Lego Series Play methods trainer. So now I get to train people on this methodology. Um, and just a little bit, the methodology is a facilitation model that allows people to think with their hands. And what it really does, it levels the playing field because we all, you know, even though it might feel uncomfortable for, for people at first, we all are innately creative. We all innately like to play. So when you're yeah. sitting around a conference room and you're trying to solve a problem or innovate and you ask people just verbally, what are some of your ideas? You may not yeah. get everyone to share their idea. But if you say, here's the challenge, here's what we're trying to innovate for, everyone builds something out of Legos. Everyone's yeah. going to build and you go around the room and everyone gets to share their idea. I so appreciate that, uh, that kind of equality of everybody is going to have that space to think with their hands. And yes. then you see everyone's ideas. Everyone has something to contribute. Absolutely. And the other thing about it that makes it very um effective is you know let's say again we're in that same boardroom and there's a challenge and i give an idea and someone next to me says like oh that's a pretty good idea but why don't we add this onto it you know i feel like my idea has been stepped on but right. with lego series play you have all ideas on the table and then you can collaborate right they're like oh well what about if we took that piece of your idea and put it on top of mine and lego yeah. is meant to be built on so those ideas don't feel like you're stepping on them anymore it feels like you're building on you're building on as someone who uh, sometimes feels like I think slowly, I appreciate also that that you've given time to everybody to to come up with their ideas, to build some on their own, and then everyone has something to contribute to to a, a future build. And that it, that's exactly. It sounds like you've taken the training almost. <laughs> exactly the the purpose and the point of it is. When you when you work this way and when you problem solve this way and you give everyone a chance to have a say or have a build in it, by the time you get to the end solution, you have more buy-in because everyone yeah. has everyone feels that psychological safety, that trust that like, oh, I at least had 
an opportunity to share my voice in in the beginning. Yeah. And no matter what happens at the end, my voice was heard. Yeah. I love that you found time today to be a participant, to play yourself rather than just being a facilitator of it. Why is that important? I well, you know, it's, it's so interesting because I facilitate so often and I think it is important to to step back into that perspective of a participant, right? Because I, just like anything else, when you're doing something all the time, it, I, I, I would never say that my work is remote, like, like in terms of like, like robotic or remote because yeah. it's always different all the time. But I think it is important in terms of, of being able to view, view facilitation from a participant's perspective. So I can hone my skills as a facilitator, like, oh, you know, if I use this different wording, maybe people would get it, get it better. Yeah. And then also as a participant, I don't care how many times I do it. There's always learning. I'm like, I'm always amazing. Yeah. I'm like, oh my, it's like magic. It's like, oh my gosh, that, that prompt worked. And I discovered more about myself or I discovered more about my team. Yeah. It reminds me that when I was teaching, I would often try uh, to put myself in places where I had to be a learner. Um, mm -hmm. because it's so easy when you're the one at the front of the classroom, whether a teacher or a facilitator, to be be thinking with that that teacher or facilitator hat. But when you switch into the learner role, uh, you remember that it can be scary, that you can feel vulnerable, that you can feel like you just failed, even if it was something that seems really low stakes as the teacher, right? Yeah. It can feel really um really scary. And even if it, for me, it was I, one time I, I uh, learned how to kayak and I learned how to sail when, and, and I, I like, I didn't know how to do these things. These are not academic subjects, but putting myself into a learner role yes. there um, brought back a, a reminder of the humility I needed to bring to the classroom as a teacher. Absolutely. Humility and empathy. Absolutely. Yeah. So you do use the word play when you talk about your work. I do. Uh, why is it important to to think about play in professional spaces? So I I really feel like it is important to to incorporate play, and I always use play and creativity together because uh, my work is really in creativity. But really, through creativity, you're allowing people to play. So. Yeah. A couple of things. Number one, I always share this quote at the beginning of a, and I don't, even, I hesitate to even call it a quote because people say that Plato said it, but I'm not quite sure. Um, <laughs> but the quote is, "You can learn more about a person uh, in an hour of play than a year of conversation." Mm. And in the work I do, I just find that to be true, right? So when you're really trying to develop a team or develop trust, um, even solve problems, when you do it through play and when you do it through creativity, you're tapping into a capacity that every single person in the room has. Mm. Um, that allows more vulnerability, people to say things and do things that they wouldn't normally do if you just yeah. do it in that traditional training methodology and leadership methodologies. Yeah. Have you always maintained the sense of creativity and play for yourself, or did you have to rediscover it as an adult? Well, the the reason I started this business is because I had to rediscover it. So I have always been, I can go way back to childhood. I've always been so creative, so playful. And then I got caught up in the, oh, you know, I have my college degree now. Now I have my MBA and now I have to go get a corporate job and be serious and, you know, fit in. And, um, not until my, I would say my late thirties, where I was in a corporate, in a corporate environment, fitting in and had just stopped being creative. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. doing my art anymore. I wasn't you know, doing, I didn't have a creative practice. So 
once I started, once I recognized that and allowed myself time to be creative, I realized like how much even being creative outside of work helped me inside of the work I was doing. Um, and, and then when I had the opportunity to, to leave the my, my corporate company, my corporate job and start this business, that was really a driver for me in terms of bringing it into the corporate environment. It's like, okay, if I felt that way, um, and I had the luxury to leave, right? I was in a position yeah. where I could leave. There's so many people in the corporate environment who are not tapping into their creativity and don't have that luxury to leave. So I was like, well, let me bring it into the corporate world. Then. Let me bring it to them. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit with the Lego blocks. Are there ways that incorporating playfulness can challenge power dynamics and even toxic cultures? I believe so, because I think play, again, is such a foundation of who everyone is. You're really leveling the playing field by by incorporating play, right? Let's talk about the Lego bricks, right? Is the, I don't care if you're the CEO or the person working in the mailroom. Like, no one's trained, no yeah. one's been like, unless you're a Lego master, of course, right? It just levels the playing field because everyone can play with Legos. No one's more skilled than the other, you know, at least like in a room full of people when yeah. you're, when you're, when you're playing with, with, with Legos or when you're, when you're, um, you're sketching or when you're playing games, like there's no one's like, oh, I'm the CEO of Legos, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the CEO of playing this game. No, you're just another person in the room that's yeah. playing with everyone else. Yeah. Hmm. Do you see a difference in how people play, whether by gender or racial background or status in the organization? Do you see any differences at all? That's that an interesting question. I, I would say I haven't, I haven't noticed so much in terms of gender differences or racial differences. I will have to say there are Oftentimes, it does take a little bit more convincing the higher up you are in an organization for me to to entice uh-huh. you to play with us rather than be the person that sits in the back of the room and observes. Yeah. And that's sort of a, a grounding rule that I took from Lego Series Play and incorporated into my my programs. If you're in the room, you're playing, yeah. right? There's no observers. Why do you think there is that resistance from leaders? I think there's this idea that you know i'm i have to act a certain way as a leader right i have to be right. a certain way i have to appear in a certain manner at least that's like i would say like that's more like old school traditional um yeah. perception of leadership i do find it's changing a lot and i have to say that i when i walk into these organizations and maybe it's like the type of organizations yeah. i walk into who have already said yes to me bringing arts and craft supplies and Legos into their, <laughs> into their program. I don't face a lot of that um, yeah. in the organization I, I walk into because it's the, it's those, um, it's the, the decision makers who are deciding to bring me in. So generally they're already bought into this idea of play, of leveling the playing field, of being a part of the process rather than an observer to the process. So we, you mentioned the Lego Brock. Why I keep stumbling over that today? <laughs> Bro- it's a combination of block and brick. You, you're inventing, you're innovating a new type of Lego thing. <laughs> you mentioned the Lego bricks. 
What are your other creativity tools that you bring when you facilitate? So I, when I start my business, it's all arts and crafts. Like I bring paintbrushes and acrylics and canvases, and I still do a lot of collaging. So a lot of hands-on visual arts um, materials. Yeah. And that I generally use for what I call, um, at the end of my workshops, building a creative artifact, okay. a, so a hands-on representation, something you make with your own hands as a reminder of the work and the lessons and the takeaways from that day. Um, and I came up with that because, you know, I just, I never want to live Austin crafts. And also like, I'm a copious note taker my whole life. I've like, I've, yeah. I like handwriting. I love taking notes and any conference I go to, any class I take, I will take so many notes yeah. and then never look at them again. <laughs> <laughs> and then seven years later, I'll be like, okay, I guess it's time to throw them away. Yeah. But if I have a little wood block, if I, have, if I have what I call a grounding rock with just a couple words on it, or even an image that that reminds me and takes me back to the takeaways, even if it's yeah. just a feeling, um, that is so much more beneficial than my notes. So yeah. that's what I bring in in terms of um, arts and crafts supplies in, for, for a creative artifact. And I also teach a lot of tools from the creative problem solving process, okay. which um, which is a which is a a um, which is a process around like how do you how do you problem solve? First, you clarify the idea, then you ideate, then you develop a plan, then you implement, right? Yeah. But within each of those those um, those areas, there's all sorts of these amazing magical creativity tools that you can use yeah. to come up with these ideas. So. One I love to use is called Force Connections, where let's say we're again, we are solving for a problem. I might put up on this on the screen four or five images and say, okay, so here's the challenge we're, we're trying to solve for. What characteristics of these images represents the challenge? And people might say like, oh yeah, that, you know, that, that tree with all those deep roots, it reminds me that, you know, this is a, the challenge is really rooted in a lot of different issues. And, or whatever that might be, like it's, it's like the, the the big rock might be like, I feel like there's a big, this challenge is a big rock and we're never gonna solve it. So I let yeah. them talk about like the, the challenge of the challenge first. Yeah. And, and again, using images allows people to say more than they might normally say. Right. Um, and then I switch the question. I say, okay, now looking at these images again, what characteristics of these images um, reflects the way we can solve for our problem or for mm, our challenge. Mm. And then they can see the images differently too. Yeah. And I love that one. I love doing that one, having people, a lot of people share because what it also shows is how different we all are, right? How different we right. process even an image. Like some people, some person might see that giant rock as an obstacle and some person might see it as a way to get to the other side. So yeah. you really get to hear in the room how people see yeah. things so differently. Yeah. I've noticed that even with myself in different, at different times, I can look at the same image and see something different in relation to a problem I'm working through. Right. Um, yeah. So I think the, the, there's something to the, the tangible concrete nature of an image or a block or something that way that, that gives us a space to, to see our problems maybe more externalized instead of it all staying in our head. Absolutely. And then you'll see it from different perspectives, like you, like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So you talk a lot about curiosity and, and you mentioned it, it, it during this, uh, the first couple comments as well around creativity, curiosity. How do we cultivate more curiosity as adults? I think it's just a matter of paying attention. 
Um, there's a there's a book by Elizabeth Gilbert called Big Magic, and I wish I brought the book with me so I would read you the whole chapter. <laughs> there's this there's one excerpt of it where she talks about how um, ideas kind of are floating around the universe, and they're yeah. looking for someone to make it make them manifest. Right? Ideas, mm. their their whole purpose is to be made um, is to come to life, and they yeah. can't do that on their own. So they're floating around all the time, looking for someone, tapping people on the shoulder. Um, and they're like, will you be my partner? And, mm -hmm. and oftentimes we're too busy to pay attention. And I say those ideas come to us as curiosities. Okay. So really like this idea of like, can, how, can we get present enough to pay attention to a curiosity so we can see what possibilities might come from that? Um, are, are you familiar with my TEDx talk? Uh, I am, but our listeners may not okay. be. So I, I did a TEDx talk called What If? Um, the life-changing power of curiosity and courage and it's it talks about this my, my family story around around how curiosity like it really changed our whole lives and changed a whole industry so quickly um i'm a vietnamese refugee i came here when i was two years old with my family and we were placed at camp Pendleton marine base in san diego for about three months and then transferred to another refugee integration center up in northern california and at the integration center, there was a woman there. Her name is Tippi Hedren. She's a Hollywood movie star uh, who volunteered. And she, her job was to get these women, you know, just trained in a, a profession so they can go out and make some money. So she brought in a seamstress and a typist. Um, but there was something else that these women were curious about, including my mom. And that was Tippi's long red manicured nails. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine being a Hollywood movie star, you know, working with these refugee yeah. women, Vietnamese refugee women, language barriers and everything. And they just had this, and you already, you already create this whole program for them, typing and sewing, typing and sewing. And then there's like, they just like have this curiosity about your long red manicured nails. Yeah. Clearly, Tippy could have just said, thank you so much. Keep typing, keep sewing. But she, <laughs> you know, she, was, she paused and she paid attention to that curiosity, yeah. um, which led them down this path of getting these, these women licensed and trained as manicurists. And, yeah. you know, not only did that allow for my mom and those 20 women to create a, a, a career for themselves, a future for their families, but the Vietnamese manicure industry is now an $8.3 billion industry, mm -hmm. right? Like, and you go back and like, what if Tiffany just said like, oh, thanks, keep typing, keep sewing. Yeah. So I think it's our job to like, as adults be like, okay, so, huh, that's, that's a curiosity that keeps coming back to me. Um, yeah. Why don't I take one small step? Why don't I just do something yeah. towards it? Either read a book, read an article, talk to a friend about it and then see what's the next small step that arises. And if it's nothing, it's yeah. nothing, yeah. right? But oftentimes, if you're following those curiosities, that one small step, the next one will open up to you and they'll become something more and become a positive. Like these, I, I just like that story, that story of my mom, yeah. like I'm so driven by it. Yeah. I'm always like, oh, what can I do to follow this one curiosity? What's, what's one breadcrumb I can yeah. follow? Yeah. And oftentimes that breadcrumb will become something else and something else and something else. And now I've created all these possibilities for myself and others. It's so funny because this podcast was born out of curiosity. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Tell me about that. Well, somebody uh, a year ago said, you know, part of your brand is play. And I was like, really? <laughs> she said, yeah, you didn't even notice that. <laughs> She's like, you have this really playful, playful way about you. I hadn't ever saw myself that way. I mean, I mean, yes, there's playfulness and I, I, I do it, but I hadn't ever associated that. And then I, and then I started thinking about what are the questions, right? Why, why didn't I own that as, as my brand or as something I put out there? 
what about other people? Is is play a thing? Can you play at work? What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and is it play? Do we need to redefine play? So for me, curiosity came in all these sorts of questions. And then when I was in this space where I had an opportunity to to develop a podcast, I thought, I want to learn about this, right? Yeah. And I don't want to be an expert in a podcast. I want to learn about things. I want to see who I can talk to. And it has led to so many fascinating conversations. I have no idea where else it may lead, but right now I just am enjoying how each conversation adds more information into, into this, into this topic. Right. And and that's the beauty of curiosity, right? You don't have to know where it's going. Yeah. Right. You yeah. have to know. You just like just stay curious and take those small steps and see what it opens up. But all, but what you do know about curiosity is going to lead to a possibility. Yeah. 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 And it's energizing. It's really fun to lean into curiosity and to see what you can learn. Absolutely. On your website, you talk about the capacity, the possibility of minimizing turnover by making sure that there is more creativity in an organization. What are you seeing that, especially at this time when we hear about the great resignation or the reset or, you know, other things that way, what, what do you see that people are actually looking for in their next Mm -hmm. organization? Is play part of it? I I think so. And And I don't even know if people would identify it as play and creativity. I don't think you're going to walk into a, um, an interview and be like, how much play is there here? But um, it would be kind of a fun question though, right? It would be, right? <laughs> but I think what play and create, so when I first started my business, it literally was about bringing creativity and play into the workplace for the sake of creativity and play. Um, I just love creativity, right? So I'm like, I want everyone to paint. I want everyone to make things. Yeah. And in the last six, seven years of running this, um, this company, what I realized is what play and creativity really, what it really is meant for is to, like we said before, level the playing field, let everyone have a chance to be themselves at work, be authentically themselves, and give people the chance to share their voice and share their ideas. And I think that's what people are looking for. Um, I joke, even though ping pong tables and free lunches are amazing, I mean, who doesn't, I I like free lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I can play, I'm not great at ping pong table, but if there's a table there, I'll play. But that's not what's gonna keep people on your team right? Yeah. When they feel that their voice is heard, when they feel like their ideas matter, uh, and that they are a part of the solution, um, that's what's going to get people to, to stay. And the, I, I would have to just from based on the work I do is one, I wouldn't say easy, but holistic and, uh, and an inclusive way to do that is to create, allow people space and time for creativity and play. Thank you. You're welcome. You have also talked about your leadership. You do some work with leadership. You have a specific leadership canvas program. Is creativity and play part of what you teach leaders? Yes. So my, so we teach in the doing, right? So the, the, my leadership canvas program is a 12 and I developed this program because what I was seeing was, you know, I could go out there and do one workshop on communication and then people would love it but how how sticky is that how how much are people retaining so of course i will still come out and do a one-off program but really what i'm pushing for is this idea of treating leadership as a developmental process which it is Mm -hmm. so leadership canvas is a 12-month leadership development program 
where we come in, there's a, you ha I have a, a series of 14 or 15 topics that, that um, leaders and companies can choose from, depending on what's going on in their organization, and we choose six for the year. So okay. what happens, we come in, we do an orientation, kind of set the stage for this, this year-long engagement with a cohort of about 20 to 30 people in their company of current aspiring leaders. Okay. And we come in once um, every other month and do a three-hour workshop on a topic. Let's say the topic, the first one is building trust as a leader. Yeah. So the first three-hour um, training is, on, we talk about mindset, skills, and behavior. And then the next month we come in and do a roundtable discussion. You know, mm -hmm. what worked for you? What, what do you try? What, what, else, what, more, what tools can we give you around that topic? And then month three, we come with the next topic. Yeah. And every topic um, has an element of creativity. So for example, the, the, the trust, the, um, the building trust as a leader, I bring yeah. in a spoken word artist. And, oh. you know, um, the spoken word artist teaches the people in the cohort how to write a, a short poem about their leadership. And then we ask them to speak it out loud. So when, yeah. you know, it, it gives you them the experience of trust and vulnerability yeah. through a creative methodology. I work with a DJ for communication. I do, you know, I work with a, um, an improv artist for some, some things. And then of course, there's always that creative artifact at the end of each session. So people can have their, their hands on takeaway. So at the end of the year, people have six creative artifacts and it sounds like they have dabbled in maybe six different creative arts that's exactly way, that's exactly and and it really is it wasn't designed for this but what it really does is number one it allows them to be in that creativity and be in the play and a lot of the work we do is like it teaches them how to the importance of creativity in play so then they can find their own way to incorporate yeah. that in their leadership well and it sounds like the in the leadership canvas it's not that the point is to play every two months. The point is they're learning really important skills as a leader That's and right. the creativity and play is the space in which they can better learn. That's exactly right. I think that, thank you for making that clarification because I think oftentimes people mistake it as um, it's play. It's just, you're just playing and being creative. No, yeah. like we are, whatever leadership training topic you can get from I don't want to name any names, but you know, from a traditional leisure training um, organization, you can get from us too, but we're just going to do it in a way where it's not just about me standing in front of a room and feeding you information. You're going to be involved yeah. in your learning through creativity and play. Yeah. To me, what that, what that says is that the environment of play, like it works for learning because they're in a space where they can maybe you know, fail and recover. It's not quite as high stakes because it's a little bit of play where they're being invited into to be more creative. And that that contributes to the learning, the learning that, that can happen or the practice that can happen in that skill. How else does play help solidify the learning they need as a leader? If you think about the, uh, the neuroscience behind it, this mm -hmm. idea that you're activating more, more of your brain, right? Like you're activating areas of the brain that that are um, stagnant when you just sit there and listen, or even if you're sitting there and talking back and forth, when you add yeah. this idea of standing up, moving around, kinesthetic learning, um, it's, it just makes sense that you're going to, you're going to um, learn more and you're going to retain more. There's all these studies. I went to Catholic school and I got so much trouble for doodling all the time. <laughs> But now I want to go back and say, oh, by the way, there's all these things that say that while you're preaching at me, as I was doodling, I was observing, I was absorbing more. more. Um, 
Yeah. So, so I think the more, the more, mo more modalities, the more senses you can yeah. bring into um, a, a learning environment, the better off people are going to be in terms of absorbing the information. Yeah. Is there something you learned through play that took you the 10 to 20 repetitions instead of the 400? You know, it's, it's interesting because when I, I mean, I was going to say what the first thing that comes to my mind is when I think about memorization, Again, I went to Catholic school and like, there was a lot of having to memorize. If yeah. I could do it in a playful way, um, that always helped me remember things quicker. Like, you know, like, like word association or yeah. um, it doesn't have to be physical play. It was just like, oh, like that, that word, haha, associates with, <laughs> with something funny or whatever it might be. Yeah. My freshman year in college, my roommate and I were taking a philosophy class and it, for the final we had to have 60 different philosophers memorized as far as their key ideas. And so the night before we were changing the words to songs to uh -huh. help us remember like what each philosopher believed. And, but you know, but you know, what's funny is like, that's how kids learn. Like my, my son who's nine now, but when he was in preschool and in kindergarten, he come home singing songs to learn like math or whatever it might be. Yeah. And when do we, when did we decide that at a certain age, that's not how we learn anymore, right? There's no, mm. there's no scientific proof that we learn any differently, um, yeah. you know, like, or that we, that we shouldn't be learning through play yet. We just, like a society tells us like, it's time to stop playing. Yeah. Right? It's time to stop being creative. Let's get serious. But that's why I really love this idea that like, even the name Lego serious play, um, because you are playing, but it's serious work. Yeah. You're solving serious problems through play. How do people find you, connect with you if they want to stay inspired and get involved with what you're doing? Absolutely. So you mentioned my website, worksmartadvantage.com. If you go on there, you can see what I bring into the work environment. And I am constantly on LinkedIn. Um, I met so many great connections through that. I think that's where we had met. We've met originally. Yeah. So I'm constantly on LinkedIn posting um, different different things about creativity, curiosity. So yeah. please definitely go on there and, and connect with me there. I, I, I'm happy to connect and share ideas with people. Fantastic. And could you leave our listeners with one invitation to play at work? Yeah. So I, so next time you're at your desk and you're taking a break, I love to share this idea. Like when you're taking a break, rather than scrolling through Instagram or whatever you're going to scroll through, find five items at your desk and give yourself a challenge. You know, build something that can move, build something that can help you get through the rest of your day, whatever the challenge is, and, and then take those five items and build something. Oh, I love that idea. I'm going to have to try it. Yeah, it's just a, a, fun, a fun creator challenge. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Ben. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. For listening to the Lead with a Dash of Play podcast. Reza Zaidi and Joanna Stevens created and provided the beautifully playful and reflective music you hear in this podcast. The song is titled Holding Rain. This podcast was created out of curiosity, and I hope you'll share your thoughts and questions with me. Email me at mary at maryhendra.com or join the conversation on LinkedIn, redefining play and reclaiming this leadership skill for its potential to bring authenticity and joy into our professional spaces.